0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, and welcome to Six Figure Dog Business. I'm your host Ty Brown of TyTheDogGuy.com. Now this is the show here on PetLifeRadio.com where we help you start or grow your pet related business to a healthy six figure per year or more income. Now today I'm excited because I've had a little break from the show and I'm gonna tell you exactly why and when we come back I'm gonna tell you about what I've been doing and I'm gonna tell you how it might benefit you to listen to what's been going on with me for the past few months. So stay right with me, we're gonna come back and talk about scaling your business. Not pumped about cleaning the litter box? Try World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. That's right. You scoop once and you're done. No chiseling, no scraping, no crumbling, no problem. Looking for fast and easy litter box cleanup? Zero mess. Try it. You're welcome in advance. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, we are back. Like I said, welcome to the show. It's been a few months. Now, I need to apologize, because I know a lot of folks do like this show. Not not trying to get a big head here, but I do get a lot of folks, you know, if I ever have a little bit of time where I'm not doing the show, they're like, come on, we need another episode, and my producer, of course, likes when I put out episodes, so I apologize to everyone that was hoping for a show. But here's what's been going on. As I'm recording this right now, we're in May, middle of May, and starting about, what was it, middle of February or so, so for about the past three months, we started the transition of moving into a new building. And so for those that don't know, I run a dog training business. And for the past few years, we had been in a building that was about 4,000 square feet. And we had uh, built it up to about eight employees, eight or nine employees. You know, we turned our in that 4,000 square feet. We turned ourselves into, into a seven figure business and was really excited about that. But we grew out of it. And so over the past few months, we've been in the process of renovating and moving into a much larger building. So now we're in a building that's about 12,000 square feet that has a yard that's about 4,000 square feet. It's downtown Salt Lake City, so great location. And we've about doubled our employees. I wanna say we have about 16 or so. And to be honest, I don't even, this is gonna sound awful, I don't even know. Like today, literally today I was at my desk and someone came in and he was like, hey, I'm Isaiah, I work for you now. And I was like, oh, cool. So there's folks working for me that I, I haven't even had the chance to meet yet. And so, so anyways, we're growing a lot and we're scaling a lot. And I wanted to do an episode on that, on scaling. Now, I know a lot of folks don't want to grow beyond themselves. They want to keep it themselves, maybe get some assistant help, things like that. And I know a lot of folks don't want to grow beyond that. Well, that's fine. This show is still for you because this show is about growth and scaling what it is you do and making what you do better. And then I do know there are a lot of folks that want to grow beyond themselves that want to maybe make it a small business you know just a couple few employees type thing and then there are those in our industry that want to go bigger you know whether it's dog training pet sitting dog walking you know they want their little empire with with dozens of employees and millions in revenue and things like that so while I can't tell you what it's like to have dozens of employees and millions of revenue in a year we have been able to grow to a certain position that that I'm sitting here over the past few months and looking back and realizing what it is that's helped us to get here and hopefully what it is that'll help us to get to even what our next level is. But in any case, that's why I've been off for a few months is, oh boy, I can't tell you the work and the stress and the everything that's gone into everything, the renovations and, and, and supervising the renovations was actually started, I think back in December, uh, but really hit its stride in, in February. The moving, oh, the moving was, was disastrous. Not disastrous, it was just painful. I still have a knee injury, and in I think we moved about six weeks ago. I still have this knee injury that, you know, from all this lifting and stuff on moving day. Anyways, it's been it's been a long few months. It's been a fruitful few months. It's been a stressful few months, and that's why I've kind of been off the show a little bit. But like I say, I have had the time to reflect and come up with what I believe are the three main things that have allowed us to scale, you know, to go from one person a handful of years ago to, I think, like I say, 16 or whatever people that we have right now. And there's three things that I'm going to be talking about today. Those three things are margin, systems, and conversions. I could probably come up with a list of like 50, but you know, when I'm boiling things down, putting things in categories and simplifying things as much as possible, those are the three areas where I believe, you know, we've, as we get better in these areas, we're able to grow. And so, like I say, even if you never want to go beyond yourself, if you understand margin systems and conversions, It'll allow you to grow within your one-person business and make more money and pack more people, help more people, have more free time, all that good stuff that, that you want out of your one-person business. Or if you're the person looking to scale into a much bigger business, then, then hopefully this helps you too. All right, so like I say, first things first, let's talk margin. Margin is a funny beast. It really is. It took me probably the first five years of my business to realize that my margins were wrong. So when I say margin, what I'm talking about is the amount of money that comes in versus the amount of money it takes to fulfill it now if you're a single person business you might not be thinking about margin as much because you you might be saying it doesn't take me any money to fulfill it other than gas and the cost of a website in my cell phone or something like that but if you want to grow if you want to scale up a little bit and even if you don't you have to be thinking about margin what is the cost that it takes to fulfill something you know for example when a t-shirt is sold let's say a store buys a t-shirt and sells it for four, you know, buys it for four dollars and sells it for twenty dollars. Well, I mean their gross margin is sixteen dollars, but their real margin, you know, their net margin is much less than that. Because not only, you know, they bought it for four, but then they had to keep the lights on and they had to pay the employees and they had to pay the taxes and they had to pay for loss, you know, for things that are stolen, and they had to pay rent and they had to, you know, all these things they had to pay. And so that four dollars that took to buy the shirt that now sells for 20 that $4 probably turned into 18. You know, it, it took $18 worth of everything, of overhead and everything, in order to be able to sell that that shirt for $20. You know, that would probably be something pretty typical. So margin, of course, there would be 10%. In the pet industry that we're in, in the dog industry, oftentimes our margins can be deceptively big. When I say deceptively big, you know, I go back to the days where I was a one-person operation, and let's say I made $200,000 in a year, I probably had, Shoot, what would I spend in gas? I don't even remember. You know, 2,000 miles a month, you know, probably 100 gallons. So, you know, probably four grand a year on gas, another four grand on maintenance on the car or whatever. You know, equipment that I bought, training collars and stuff might have been 20,000 or something. So let's say, you know, 200,000, I had $30,000 in expenses. And so I kept 170,000, you know, not including taxes, but you know, let's say I kept about 170,000 before paying taxes. I looked at that as margin. But in reality, if we're talking about a real business, that's not the margin. Because let's say that tomorrow I broke my leg and I had to hire somebody to do what I was doing in order to keep my business going. Well, out of that 170,000, to do everything I was doing, I mean, the reality was if I was bringing in 200,000, I was playing the role of trainer and sales guy and assistant and things like that. So if I had to hire somebody to do what I was doing, you know, I probably would have had to pay an assistant twenty four thousand dollars a year and paid, you know, a trainer sixty or seventy thousand dollars a year or something like that. You know, the amount of work that I was doing. And so my real margin wouldn't have been one hundred seventy thousand dollars. My real margin would have been that minus what it costs to fulfill that. For example. And so I find that in our industry, in the pet industry, people as they set up their business, almost everyone sets up their business as a one person operator to begin with. Almost everyone, unless you, you know, unless you've got some money or you get a loan or somehow you, you work your way into like a daycare or a grooming salon or something like that. A lot of folks in our industry are going to start as one person. And so they look at margin as what they bring home. When you start growing, that becomes a problem because there's not always the money. If you've always been saying, okay, my margin is what I keep. Again, what happens when you need to hire an assistant? You're digging right into what you keep. And so most pet businesses that start out as one or two person operations aren't thinking margin in terms of, okay, at a certain point I'm going to need to hire. So I need to make sure I'm building that cost in, in, you know, from the beginning I'm building in the cost of the assistant. Maybe I don't even have an assistant yet, but I need to build it in. I'm building in the cost of another trainer or another dog walker or another pet sitter, even though I don't already have that. I need to build it in because when the time comes that I want to hire that person, if I haven't built it in, my prices are out of line and I'm not going to be able to hire them. Does that make sense? And that goes for everything, whether you're looking to hire an assistant or whether you're looking to upgrade your van that you use for pet sitting or whatever. If you're not building that cost in from the beginning, it's unlikely that you're going to get to a certain point and find yourself with the ability to pay For that van to pay for that new employee to pay for the ten thousand dollars in kennel improvements that you need or whatever the case might be because you didn't foresee and build it into the margin in the first place and so how do you determine the right margin good question there's there's not a great answer i mean there's certain guidelines you might want to look at i can tell you that in service industries that oftentimes in service industries service professions are looking to spend about 20 to 35 percent in labor and so if you're looking and saying, okay, eventually I need to hire somebody to do this and that person's going to be $14 an hour or $10 an hour or, or whatever, that whatever, you know, that $14 an hour needs to be at a minimum 33% of what, what comes in for that hour. And so that $14 an hour needs to be 33%, which means that I need to be bringing in at least $42 for that hour in order to, be able to eventually hire somebody to do it if it's a $14 an hour type job, for example. And so now you might be saying, well, you know, I'm a dog trainer, you know, and and I charge $80 an hour. Well, as a dog trainer, you probably aren't training 40 hours a week. As a dog walker, you might not be walking 40 hours a week. You know, you might have downtime and things like that. So those are things that you also have to build into your margins. And so, so, like I say, the majority of people are operating with margins that just will not allow them to grow bigger because actually growing bigger will kill them because growing bigger means they got to hire more people. The margins aren't there. They don't support the hiring of new people. And therefore, as they do hire new people, it wipes out the business. And this happens to small businesses all the time when they haven't figured out their margins. So labor is just one thing. And I just gave you like a general rule of thumb, 20 to 35%. But there's other things to consider in your in your margin. you know, for example, maybe you don't use paid advertising right now because you don't need it for one person. What happens when you've got two people that you're supporting with your business and you do need paid advertising? Have you worked that margin in? Have you said, okay, I'm going to allocate, even though I'm not spending it right now, I'm going to allocate six percent of my budget to advertising such that you know um, when I'm ready to hire a new person, our prices already are reflective of that 30% labor cost, 6% advertising cost, you know, extra tax costs, things like that. And so, so, like I say, you know, I'm sure you could do the math and, and totally figure it out, although my guess is you're going to find that things are going to change as the real world takes over. But if you're doing the math, figure out what labor would cost, what gas would cost for that extra vehicle, what insurance would cost, what paid time off would cost, what vacation would cost, what churn would cost as you're going through employees and you've got to hire new people, things like that. You've got to figure out a margin that supports what it is you want to do. Hopefully that makes sense. All right, second thing I wanted to talk about is systems. Now, if any of you have ever read, it's been several years, I probably should read it again, but this is a great book. It's called The E-Myth Revisited. I believe Michael Gerber is the author. It's a great book. But what he says is kind of a little bit of what I was talking about before, although I probably stole it from him, so don't, don't think like, don't think he and I are on the same level. We're certainly not. The dude's a genius. But anyways, so he says even if you never plan to grow, you want to set up your business as if you were going to franchise it, systems-wise. Because what happens in a franchise? Let's say you go buy a McDonald's franchise. You don't walk in and like have to figure out how to make hamburgers. You don't walk in and have to figure out how to hire people. You don't walk in and figure out how to uh, any of it. You don't have to figure out a gosh darn thing if you buy a McDonald's franchise. They have figured out every single thing and know exactly what to do in order to be making a million dollars plus per year out of your store. They know everything. In fact, I believe they have what's, what they call McDonald's University out there in, in uh, is it Illinois. Correct me if I'm wrong somebody on this, but they have like McDonald's University and, uh, and they go out and they will teach you everything. Now I need to get into systems more, but I need to take a quick break here. Systems are so important. This is one of the things that as we get better, this allows us to grow more than anything. So systems are hugely important. Stick around, we'll be right back after this break. it. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. They called it elephant skin. It was rough, wrinkly, like a Brillo pad. His hair was falling out in clumps. Petey stopped eating, and all his hair fell out. Our golden retriever, Sundance, he scratched incessantly. There was hair all over. D i n o oh. v i t e dot com. It's eight five nine four two eight one thousand. The omega three fatty acids, flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa, the digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Dinovite is nutrition. Within two weeks, the shedding slowed down to almost none. The scratching went away after a few days, and Sundance's coat was starting to get shiny and glossy. It's a 180 turnaround. His skin has cleared up. He's not in pain. If your dog has shedding, dry skin, excessive scratching due to Dynavite. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E oh. dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We <laughs> okay, we're back. And we're talking about systems. We're talking about Michael Gerber of the E-Myth Revisited, who teaches that it, when you set up your business, you should set it up with systems as if you were going to franchise it, as if you were going to maybe one day sell it. Because like I say, when you buy a good franchise, I'm sure not all franchises are like this, when you buy a good franchise, you walk in and you don't have to figure out how to sell things. They know the best way to sell the program or the product or the service. You don't have to figure out the best advertisement, they figured it out. You don't have to figure out the best way to hire, the best way to fire, the best way to do payroll, the best way to, you don't have to figure that stuff out, a franchise already has figured those things out. And that's the value of buying a franchise is that you can walk right into systems that have been proven to work. Now, when you're a small business like us, ideally you're studying systems from other places and then creating them, but you're not walking in to this situation where someone's like here. Here's a business in a box. Here's how you do this. You have to create these systems. And that's what I recommend that you do is you create systems. Now, for years now, and we constantly add to it, we've been creating an employee handbook and and a systems handbook for, and we're trying to get it. It's not complete and it probably never will be. You know, it's one of those things that you're constantly adding and subtracting and editing, but trying to make it so that every single thing that we do is systematized. And so I've got scripts written out. So if, if someone's trying to sell training, here's how you do it. You know, we've got systems written out for here's how you charge somebody's credit card. We've got systems written out for here's how you order training callers from this company. We've got systems written out for here's how you do this, that, and the other. We've got systems written out for here's how you clean this. So like every component of the business, there's systems for it. And again, like one thing that we need to do better as a company is actually use those systems because sometimes we write them out and then they don't get used as much as they should. They don't get adopted as much as they should. But anyways, that's one area where we're always trying to get better is systems. Because if you're going to scale and you're going to add an employee, well, it might be easy, the not easy, but you know it might be easier the first time because it's just you and that person and you're with them a lot. When you add the third person, your time is spread a little bit more thin. You probably don't have as much time with the third person. When you're hiring the 10th person, You definitely don't have much time to spend when you're hiring the, like I say today, I I met a new employee for the first time. I don't have much time to spend with this young man that just got hired on. I'm hopefully going to, you know, I want to spend time with him to, to teach him things that I know and to, you know, to kind of inculcate our culture and things like that. But we have a system for hiring. I'm actually really bad at hiring. I see anybody and anybody comes in with a nice story and they say nice things and I'm like, you're good. I like you. You're hired. And so at my company, hiring has been taken out of, you know, out of my responsibilities because I make bad hires. I make good hires too, but I make, I make probably as many bad hires as I make good hires just because I'm like, well, we need somebody, you're here, you're nice, you're willing to work the hours we need for the money that we need. Sure, you're hired. And I don't think too much beyond that. And so, so like I say, we came up with a system for hiring people and other people do that part of the system. And so it allows me, when you get one employee, two employees, three, four, five, you know, you get to the point where you're not doing the job anymore. I don't train dogs very much anymore. And I'm fine with that, actually. I I do train some dogs, but I love what I do in helping other people become better trainers and helping my other staff be, you know, better at dog daycare and dog boarding in doing sales and marketing and things like that. So I love what I do. It's just that I'm not doing the job anymore. I'm doing a whole new different job, more of a CEO type job. And I'm trying not to make that sound more grandiose. We're, we're just a, you know, we're a small company, but I'm doing so much more of the bigger picture stuff because we have systems because we can bring a new person in and he gets trained in that system or she gets trained in that system. And I don't have to worry about it. I just got to make, you know, I got to make sure I's are, dotted and T's are Cross and things like that. But I find that most people have systems. I mean, it's not like they're reinventing the wheel every time they sell something or every time they walk a dog or, you know, they have systems, but they aren't categorized. They aren't defined. They aren't written down. And so whether or not you're going to grow, start writing down your systems, all of it. Because again, you even if you're going to be a single person business, You don't know that you might break your leg. You don't know that you might be in the hospital and and you need to have somebody, you know, at least doing some of your business. And wouldn't it be nice to hand them off a notebook that says, hey, here's how you do this, this, and this, or some Google Docs that say, here's how you do this, this, and this. That'd be great, wouldn't it? But especially if you are going to grow, you have to be able to hand off systems. Now, systems need to be moldable and changeable, but you have to have them. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself in a position where everybody's trying to do things based on how they think things should be done, and that's a recipe for disaster. You know, everyone has to be on basically the same page. doesn't mean everyone's a clone and a drone. It means that, you know, you have a way that things are done, and everyone's personality is injected into how they do it, but there has to be a system. The hardest one that I found is a sales system. And so, you know, maybe that's a, that's a podcast for a whole other day, but having a system to sell things is huge. Right now I'm still heavily involved in our sales, although a lot more sales are being made by other employees, which is amazing to me. I remember back like 11, 12 years ago, my dad saying, so do you think you'll ever grow this? And I was, I told him, no, I don't think I could ever train anybody to train as good as I do or to sell as good as I do or any of that. So I think I'm just going to be a one-person business forever. That's what I told my dad like 11 years ago. We had this conversation the other day. He was like, remember when you said that? But uh, you know, the reality is people might not be able to do things exactly like I do, but they have their own skills and talents that they can bring to the show. And some of their skills are going to be better than mine some are going to be not as good but some you know some will be better and everyone can you know that has the right aptitude can learn learn their job if we give them an outline on how to do it so start designing systems for everything for how you sell for how you answer the phone for how you fulfill for how for how you gas up the bloody car if you have to you know when it gets quarter tank do this go to the gas station fill it up put the receipt here blah blah, blah. there needs to be systems for everything that you do okay last thing i want to talk about is conversions Now, conversions are so important. Now, when I say conversions, what I mean is in the sales process, there are various conversion points. And so, for example, 10 people come to your website or 100 people or whatever, you know, arbitrary number. Out of 100 people, how many people will contact you? That's a conversion. That's a lead conversion, right? And so if 100 people come and two people contact you, that's a poor lead conversion. If 100 people come and 10 people contact you, that's a pretty good lead conversion. And so understanding your conversions is how you can grow because let's say, and I'm going to go through a couple examples here, but let's say that you are getting 6% lead conversion and you recognize, Hey, you know, I know other people are getting 10 or 12 visitors that turn into leads. Well, shoot, what can I do to get from six to eight? And if you get from six to eight, the same traffic will provide you 33% more leads. And so if you're looking to grow your business and scale your business from you to more people, or just simply grow within you know, one person, would 33% more leads help you? Yeah, it probably would. It'd be hard to say no to that question. And so looking at your conversions are huge. Now that's one conversion. What's another conversion? How many leads does it take to turn into a sale? And so again, if you're looking and saying, well, we get 10 leads and we create four sales, or we get 10 leads and we create three sales or whatever, what if you could get from three to four? You know, that's another 33% jump. Or what if you can get from five to six? That's a 20% jump. A 20% jump, that's basically a 20% raise. And so if you're looking to grow your business or scale your business, most people are tempted to start doing more. Let me do more advertising. Let me do, write more articles. Let me do more Facebook posts, whatever. And more isn't bad, but look at what you're already doing first and get better conversions first because that's the lowest hanging fruit. These are things that you are already doing. You already have a website that already has traffic, that traffic already turns into leads, those leads already turn into sales. All these things are already happening. If you can get 10% better at this one and 5% better at that conversion metric and 3% better there and 15% better there, if you can just improve that, you don't have to go spend more on advertising and do more Facebook posts and do, all, you know, do all these extra things to get to another level of growth. Now, maybe once you've optimized your conversions, sure, now let's do advertising, more advertising. But if you're doing more advertising and you're spending money, when you haven't yet optimized things, you're essentially flushing some of that money down the toilet. Because let's say you're getting traffic to your website and you're converting it at 6% into a lead, but it, with a few tweaks, it could be 10%. Well, if you're putting money and you're getting 6% back versus getting 10% back, you know, you're know you wasting a bunch of money. You know You're wasting 40% of your ad spend there that could be you know, providing you a whole lot more money if your optimization process was better. And so, again, you know, we could do a whole show on conversions. In fact, I probably have, now that I think about it. I'm getting lost on the shows that I've done. But that's a whole topic there, That's a, that's a whole book right there, that's a volume of books right there, is how to create better conversions. But I would encourage you to look at the things that you're doing with conversions, how your website is set up, what you're doing to follow up with visitors, the email marketing that you're doing, you know, all of these things, what are you doing to increase your conversions before going out there and spending a bunch of money that might be wasted away if your conversions aren't in a good place? So our hope is that, uh, you know, 2017 is going to be a year of like transition. There's some growth, obviously. Well, at this pace, we're already going to grow by a couple, you know, a few hundred thousand, if not more. You know, our hope is that by 2018, we're going to be $2 million, 2019 get closer to $3 million, And and our hope is to keep scaling and growing. Heck, who knows, maybe we go bankrupt in the process and and we completely shut down, who knows. But that's our goal, and I know that if I'm paying attention to these three things, these three things where I'm looking at our processes, where I keep a hold of our margin, look at our systems and our processes, and continue to try to improve our conversions, I know that if we are going to grow to those numbers, it will be on the back of those three things. Because getting to where we are now has been on the back of those three things again, a million other things, but the three biggest things are those things that I've mentioned today. So hopefully as we, I've been talking, you've been able to figure out things that, you know, that make sense that you could try different in your business to kind of improve these areas yourself. But yeah, because my business is not unique. My business grows the same way that other businesses grow. And so it, because mine has grown, I can tell you that yours can grow based on these same principles. So get after it. Good luck. Thanks for listening to the show. Now head over to PetLifeRadio.com. Listen to all of my episodes. i got a bunch of them. While you're there, listen to the other shows because there are some really cool shows on PetLifeRadio.com. And then when you're done with that, head over to TyTheDogGuy.com. Check out the different webinars and different things that I have for you, the pet business owner that helps you grow your business. Get out there, get to work, implement this stuff, and we'll talk to you soon. Let's Talk Pets. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.